Welcome to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast. Sponsored by Reading Bakery Systems, RBS, the world's leading manufacturer of automated systems for baked snack production, continuous mixing, and oven profiling. I'm your host, Joni Spencer, Editor-in-Chief for the Commercial Baking Media Group, and I'm speaking with industry expert Dave Vanlar as we unpack all the pain points that come with innovation and product development and discover new ways to overcome them. In this episode, Dave and I will be discussing listener questions. Dave, you're very popular. We've got a lot of questions to go over. Well, good, Joni. I'm glad we just don't have to sit here today. (laughs) So the first question I received from a listener pertains to the conversations we had about the evolution of trends leading up to the pandemic and the disruption we've seen. Looking forward, this listener wants to know, what is your view of new product introductions into the future? Do you think decisions will be more data-driven? You know, I think innovations will come at an even faster pace than they have, Joni. And if that doesn't seem possible, just hang on because uh, you're going to see it happen. And not because more data is available. We already have data overload in so many areas, but the interpretation of that data is going to become more sophisticated. You know, just collecting data pushes one into analysis paralysis and nothing happens. But we need to decide what to do with that data. And I think that's where we're getting as suppliers uh, to the industry a lot more savvy. Supplier innovation centers play a key role in this whole thing, I firmly believe. Equipment manufacturers want to make equipment that meets our needs as bakers. And we've seen several sophisticated facilities built in the past few years. These capabilities of these are just outstanding, both in equipment and in ingredient areas. In fact, some of these would rival small bakeries in themselves. I would suggest stay in touch with your trade journals for open houses that they sponsor. Yeah. For me, it's the best way to see new technology, but also to talk with the engineers for their thoughts on process equipment design. It's important that we take this data that we've had all along and really do something with it. I go back to the 80s, again, full of stories, Joni, but in the 80s, we started collecting all the UPC information at store level. And I remember the dream back in the 80s was that every time someone pulls a unit off the shelf, it would generate a replenishment order at the factory. Well, that didn't quite happen, but the data is there to do that. But for the most part, we've used it just to track what's happened and not what's going to happen. So the smart ones are going to take the data that they've seen and interpret it into something that's more meaningful than we've used in the past. Do you think that we could do a better job of tracking what did happen and using it to predict what will or could happen? I think we've always pretty much known the trends. We know them a lot at a faster pace now. But the entry into market has become so uh, fast for people. I'll never forget going to meetings with major uh, re- or major suppliers, uh, major cookie cracker companies, bread companies, and the uh, executives were pushing those people in the uh, labs to come out with more new products, more new products. And as you and I have talked in the past, a lot of times that's where a contract manufacturer comes in because they're a little more agile than some of the major players. Right. 
but the people have always been pushing for this innovation. We've always had data. You know, we've had Nielsen, IRI, we've had all those things, but we're forced now in this fast paced world to make more sense of that data more quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's circle back to talk about the product development. And you mentioned the suppliers and the innovation centers and how some of them rival small bakeries. What role do you see the suppliers playing, especially those ones with the innovation centers? What role do you see them playing in new product development moving into the future? It's a great question, Joni. First of all, get connected with those innovation centers. Choose a supplier that you're comfortable with and establish a relationship. You know, that's what made several people very successful over the years. They found suppliers that uh, could give what they needed and they knew their capabilities and they used them. But get to know the capabilities of those innovation centers. I was impressed to see an ingredient supplier with a creative center that was larger than most manufacturers have in-house. They also have the knowledgeable staff right there to assist. You know, there are not many secrets in our industry, although many bakers think that they have a lot of proprietary processes. You can be sure a lot of people are aware of what they're doing. But I believe the combination of a good R&D baker with a smart engineer can come up with about any solution to any new problem. But they've got to listen to each other. That's the key. They need to see what the other is attempting to accomplish and not just pull some solution off the shelf. As a project manager, Joan, I spent a lot of time watching R&D, product development people, working with equipment suppliers, ingredient suppliers. And the most success I've seen is those that work together as a team and they come up with a solution. And there's nothing wrong with that, that some people feel threatened by that. Some feel that they're you know, not giving their expertise enough uh, credence. But to me, finding the best resources we can is the best way to solve a, a, a problem. And these, these, these centers have come up because of that. They have sprung up because there is a need. They have seen it, and we have actually asked for those from these equipment suppliers. And now they're there. We need to take advantage of them. I totally agree. So the next question that we received pertains to innovation when it comes to automation. This listener wanted to know, in your opinion, when do you feel that innovation and automation integration, feedback loops, and operational confidence will allow a truly lights-out bakery? How far off is that? Never. Next question. (laughs) Seriously, that's difficult. I mean, it's extremely difficult. And and the biggest thing that people do not want to hear again is the variability of our inputs. We are working with agricultural commodities, and there will always be a need, to me, for a baker somewhere. I once toured a well-known equipment supplier's equipment all over their country, which was overseas, and they wanted to show us their equipment. And I remember one pizza plant that they had, the process started with pieces of bread that were garnished and baked. And when they took us through this processing area, it was basically dark and there was no one present. And they really bragged upon that through the translator that this is just, it runs itself. And it was running beautifully. But as we continued through the oven room, I just happened to hang back a little bit. And when we all cleared the processing area, I saw five or six workers scurry back into the process area with flashlights so we couldn't see the lights come on. (laughs) You know, we talk about it. We try. We almost get there. 
but I'm not sure that a lights out facility is really going to happen. We do, however, need to do more than we're doing today. Reading Bakery Systems, for instance, you know, they have two divisions. That one division makes and sells ovens and bakery equipment, processing equipment. The other builds and sells monitoring equipment that monitors those ovens. I believe there's opportunity to use information available from that Scorpion-type device to feed back to the oven real-time to maintain consistent quality. You know, what we do now is we run that device through the oven to see what's going right or wrong and then make adjustments. We need to bridge that gap between finding out what's wrong and putting that information back into the oven Mm -hmm. so it's self-correcting. And I think there's opportunity there. I know back in the 80s, we did that on a project and uh, we were going to weigh every dough ball coming off the depositor. It, it got expensive. It doubled the price of the oven and processing equipment, so we decided not to do it. But it was the way we were trying to go, was to get real feedback information back into the processing system. And I think that's one thing where we have totally relied upon our people to do that instead of trying to find automated type solutions. Do you think that we should rely a little bit more on the automation for that and take a little bit of the human error risk factor out? You know, Joni, I believe that we can go further with automation. I believe we can go further with uh, not eliminating the human element, but helping the human element. Mm-hmm. I um, I was very impressed one day to watch an operation where the information was coming back real time to the operators and they were making adjustments real time to keep the process in control. And we talked about that in one of our sessions, Mm -hmm. but it still required operator interface. You know, we haven't closed that gap to where we take that real time information and make adjustments to the system as we go. So there's still human interaction that's involved. And we've made some progress in some areas, but in total, we still haven't done that. For instance, the temperature of each zone, the temperature through the oven, the humidity, the airflow, we can measure all those things, but then what do we do with it? And I think that's one thing that's important because the indicator may not tell exactly what's happening in the oven. Real life may be different inside. And that's why we send a device through the oven to make sure the measurements are correct. Troubleshooting Innovation has been brought to you by Reading Bakery Systems, RBS, your trusted partner for innovative bakery and snack solutions. For more than a century, RBS has delivered systems that help make its customers successful. An inherent drive for excellence and a thoughtful, research-based approach make RBS the partner you'll need to ensure your product success. To keep you informed, RBS now offers the Snack Seminar Series. These free online seminars showcase the latest innovations in processing technology and new snack development. RBS, successful snacks start here. Learn more at readingbakery.com. We had another question. This person was wanting to tap into your expertise on automation for dosing and dispensing and was looking for a little bit of advice on what bakers need to consider before diving into an automated dosing and dispensing system. What key factors should they be looking for in a good system? 
It's a good question, Joni, and I see that often. Unfortunately, I see that with too often uh, poor results. Choosing the right equipment for an operation is difficult, especially if you're new in the business or growing to the next level. Mm-hmm. And almost all companies go to that plateau where they may go from a rack oven and want to go to a, a band oven. They may go from a small mixer and want to go to a big mixer. Um, and their lack of knowledge in the industry makes it difficult for them to proceed. There's no lack of information available on the internet. Suppliers are available for everything that's out there. But my advice, again, and where I've been successful, is to find a supplier that you know of and ask to see their equipment in action. That's number one. Make sure that you've covered everything about that person. Don't just take somebody's word for it, but ask them, can I go see this equipment running somewhere? And then normally you get to ask the people that are operating the equipment if it's meeting their needs. Um, I tend to stay away from brand new things that are introduced out there without some sort of uh, track history, track record. But the biggest thing to me is when if somebody's at that point is to think strategically about the whole process. So we're talking about one piece here of the process, but how's it going to affect the entire operation? You know, for instance, what capacity do I need today for this equipment? And how much growth do I expect to see? So am I going to buy a 1,000-pound mixer or a 2,000-pound mixer today? And sometimes it may be overkill, but my plan is to grow into that very quickly. And then again, how much sophistication and automation do I really need? Looking at, do I have the people to maybe fill in those areas and not enough capital to really automate? And also, how does that new equipment fit into the rest of the system? You know, bottleneck studies are so critical. I've been through project management with people in crucial situations where things have failed because of one piece they forgot. For instance, they automated and went to the next level, but they found out that the uh, flower delivery system couldn't keep up. You know, they went to the next level and found out that their packaging equipment was the real bottleneck. So make sure that you look at the entire line as a whole and plan it such that each piece will develop you towards where you want to go. There are so many good manufacturers out there. There are also many good used equipment dealers out there. That cuts the lead time down dramatically. And it's not, they're not junk dealers. They're good equipment dealers. You just have to know who you're dealing with. So look for industry recommendations and re- referrals for that equipment. And you can see the name that's on that equipment is what you would get from a, a new manufacturer and get one that's been rebuilt and ready for your service. And it cuts down tremendously on time to delivery. I think it's really interesting to hear you mention getting those referrals from industry colleagues and other bakers. And I've heard those stories. I've been in in bakeries with new line extensions and they've told me about going to visit other bakeries and really getting feedback on what systems worked well for them and where they saw their challenges. So that's one thing we didn't really talk about. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with getting advice from other bakers, going into other facilities to look at their equipment or to get referrals on maybe a piece of equipment that you were looking to invest in? You know, I have found, especially in cookie and cracker, that that's relatively easy to do. If you come toward it in the right way, um, if you want to just get information that's non-proprietary, that's non-competitive, and just has to do with that equipment, most bakers are very willing to let people come in and visit 
and most of them can be arranged by the equipment manufacturers also. That, that is so important to me that you see the equipment running. It just makes a big difference, especially if you have no history with it. And they will generally tell you what they like and what they don't like about the equipment. Mm-hmm. This is a very competitive industry, but it's also a very friendly industry, I've found. So one thing I miss from that is the trade shows that we regularly go to. That's probably where I see the biggest exchange of free information Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. A lot of business is discussed at conventions that relates specifically to bakers' needs. You know, we had always made the best use of those by having suppliers uh, meet with us regularly at those conventions. But also you can get referrals, um, getting to know the other people, going to meetings like the American Bakers Association. I've always said, too, that, you know, groups like the American Bakers Association and other associations out there, uh, the, the poor suppliers tend to get weeded out. Um, they just don't seem to survive in an environment where everybody kind of knows who's doing what and how good they are at it. So uh, that's one thing I know that we miss right now are those conventions where we can ask our uh, ask our colleagues what's going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I miss trade shows, Dave. <laughs> I, I do too. That was uh, that was always the uh, uh, very learning experience, but also a great way to keep up and to know these people. Contacts are so critical. You just never, never know. And that when you do need to know it, you better have those contacts lined up because it's going to be too late to try to develop that. And I see that too often. You might call someone. This industry is, is terrific for referrals. You know, I've called people that couldn't do it for us, but they recommended someone else that could. And, and just getting to know people face to face, this is a very personal business and mm-hmm. getting to know people and, and they'll answer your questions or they'll tell you where you can find an answer. Yeah, absolutely. They will. That's what I love about this industry. So, so listen, Dave, I have to tell you that I had a question come in identifying you as a cookie and cracker industry icon. Uh Oh, <laughs> you do have a storied career. There's no denying that. And this person wants to know, What has been your most significant challenge in your career and and how did you overcome it? And then on the flip side, was there a challenge that you were unable to fix that you would have just used a magic wand if you could to solve it? Oh, the old magic wand that I have stored in the back room. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Joni's storied career may not be a total accurate description. However, I've had a career filled with wonderful stories. That's for sure. The people I've met and worked with have been some of the best people I've ever known and continue to know, as we just talked about, those those friendships go deep. And even though our industry is extremely competitive, you wouldn't know it when you do things like we just talked about. When you need help, these companies help each other when disaster strikes. They offer business to others if they cannot fill their own customers' needs. I've seen plants have major fires. Other manufacturers come in and offer equipment to them to get them back up and running. We've had people going through the COVID issue where others have volunteered to help make product for them to get them through the crunch. This friendship that we see there goes beyond business. It lasts a lifetime and it goes beyond just cookies, crackers, and bread. And I tell you, Joni, I've seen such deep faith in these people 
And that may have a lot to do with the way they conduct their business. Their principles go much higher than the store shelf itself. The difficult thing, and it comes back to people. Without question, the most important aspect of our business is the people. People we can count on to execute our plans. You know, we can build the most sophisticated equipment utilizing the latest technologies, but if the operators are not fully educated and motivated, we can't guarantee success. And this example still amazes me, but a, a major baker installed several new horizontal wrappers. They had all the bells and whistles that they could buy. The factory technician from the supplier came and finished the install and everything was working well. The following week, the baker called the supplier and said, hey, our equipment's not working. Can you come down and fix it? So the supplier sent the tech back into the bakery to adjust the machines. All he did was put them back to the factory specs. All was good again. Unbelievably, Joni, this happened five times over the next few weeks. Wow. Five times the baker called and said, our equipment's not running right. And all the factory rep did every time was just adjust the machines back to factory specifications. And we've all seen this. We've all seen operators change from first shift to second shift to third shift. Mm -hmm. You know, I've often said, let's take the buttons off this equipment. <laughs> you know, let's just put a knob that doesn't do anything. Right. You know, like the old thermostat in my office, you know, it didn't do anything, but it looked good. And you could turn it all day long and think it was getting cooler, <laughs> but it didn't change anything. You know, until we can get our operators to buy into new technology and learn how to adjust the equipment properly, we're just destined to failure. And, and that goes back to education. That goes back to the knowledge that exists, but how to get it to the people that are doing it. It is more than just a job. Um, how do people use that information effectively? But it's hard to blame the bakers also as we look at this because turnover rates over 100% a year, you know, they get frustrated by investing in people that just go away that just go somewhere else or just don't work because the incentives are there to not work. We've been talking for years about creating careers for our employees. These careers are available. We just need to connect the right people to the right employees. The American Bankers Association continues its effort to do just that. I know, and I spent my years there, obviously. But Christina Donnelly has been doing a great effort, both with veterans mm -hmm. uh, as they get out of the service and also with others to highlight the careers in the baking industry. And if anybody's thinking about how to get in the industry or how to get their people motivated, uh, give Christina a call. Christina Donnelly at the ABA and she can explain what's available out there. It's a wonderful career. It's, it's given me so much. I've been around the world with it. I've seen so many people, met so many friends that I still have. And, and I would just encourage anybody else to have that same care for your employees that people had for me as I was coming up through the industry. When in talking about that knowledge transfer, you know, we spent a whole episode talking about the challenges around the knowledge transfer. Just earlier in this episode, we were talking about the suppliers and the ones with R&D and innovation centers that can help with product development. How do you think that suppliers moving forward with those innovation centers can also help guide these bakers and, and participate in that knowledge transfer and use those innovation centers, not only for product R&D, but also for educating young bakers. That's frustrating, Joni. As I think about that question, I think about the beautiful centers that these people have built and how hard they work to get people to come through them. 
It just amazes me that these things are available to us and, and we don't use them as much as we could. You know, they hold, they hold open houses, as we've talked about. They hold seminars. And I think it's a huge opportunity for us. As I said, most of them uh, would compete with a small bakery in a lot of areas, and everything is available there. Again, I believe that's that's such a thought center that we can make use of to get the baker and the equipment supplier together. Mm -hmm. And what I like to see is the people that are really doing it, the people that are really knowledgeable about the equipment and about R&D. They know how things interact. They know what the oven does. And they also give advice to the engineers to say, if we could do this, we would be a lot better off. We used to live in two different worlds where, you know, we as bakers would complain about the manufacturers. Although they don't do this, they don't do that. Well, shame on us for doing that. If we're not regularly in their innovation centers telling them what we need, they're there. If utilize them, you know, I've yet heard of somebody getting kicked out of somebody's innovation center. That's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they want. What more would an ingredient supplier or an equipment supplier want, if they're any good, than to hear what the user has to say? Right. So listen, I've been having some conversations, uh, several conversations recently about the disruption that's happening in supply chain right now. And it's really kind of throwing things off kilter for everyone. How can bakers navigate product innovation in the midst of unusually long lead times on equipment and raw materials if operations are still growing? That's an outstanding question and so pertinent today. My first thought is to rely on our suppliers even more more constant contact with them. They have alternatives too, but if you shop every time you buy something on price, you don't get a lot of loyalty out there with the suppliers. I've found that there are certain times you need to keep them on track with price by doing, you know, especially the big commodity stuff, but the smaller stuff, they're willing to work with you mm -hmm. to get the right price you need but also to supply that. So I, I think too often we just, you know, we do it kind of in a vacuum where we, we think we have all the answers and we go out and, uh, and just try to solve it ourselves. I like to put the onus back on those suppliers to help us partner with them. And partnering is a word that kind of went away over the years, but partner with us to find, maybe there's alternative material that's available. Mm -hmm. I, I found that before we were doing a sugar-free and R&D had to have this one specific ingredient. Well, we worked with a supplier and there were other alternatives that were oven stable that we were able to use. Not only were they more plentiful, but they were cheaper in price. Now, I've often talked about the, you know, the Madagascar vanilla that's only available every two years when the ships are floating and the Suez Canal is not blocked and all those sorts <laughs> of things. You know, we need to stay away from those things. We need to stay away from the very unique ingredients that we have limited access to. But once again, to me, the importance of strategic planning comes in here. Um, if you're not sure where you're going, it's difficult for the suppliers to know how to help you. I know we were working with some offshore ingredients at one time, and, and we laid out a plan for the year, and, and that's what we both held to. They were able to commit to buying that for us and having it uh, imported, and we were also committed to using it. And it made a lot of difference instead of just trying to spot buy those things on the open market. 
Right. The suppliers are really struggling right now with their own shortage of materials in the disruption in supply chain. And so I know there are bakers that are growing and the lead times on getting the equipment installed is much longer than had anticipated. Is there anything that you can think of that bakers can do internally to work with increased demand for their product when they're already at capacity while they're waiting for new lines to come in? Absolutely, Joni. I have rarely found a production line that cannot be improved to some percentage. There is something somewhere that's holding that line back and getting the most out of the current lines is probably the easiest and most efficient way to get that extra capacity. Again, knowing where you're going is crucial, but if it's just not getting there, and I've seen it over and over again where people will say, we just can't get there. There are some obvious solutions by someone from the outside looking in can see and do some minor modifications sometime to increase the throughput significantly. And I've seen this happen regularly. So don't assume that because what people tell you, that's all that equipment will produce. You know, don't assume that that you're at 100% efficiency with it. Um, The other thing that we had talked about earlier is if indeed you do need new equipment, used equipment suppliers are a great source for that. You know, you buy the same brand name materials uh, for one or two pieces of equipment for that line. And that may help you get through that bottleneck. Yeah. And, I, and I've, I've worked with several companies where that's been the case. So just there's one piece that's holding up the whole operation from growth. And that one piece can sometimes be overcome in several different ways. So having someone come in and look at your operation and, and do an efficiency study and a bottleneck study really could make a big difference. Okay. That's really good advice. So then the last question that I want to ask you, Dave, um, and I've just kind of heard a little bit of talk out there in the industry. And so I wanted to throw this in as a final question, and that is educating on the art of baking. So when we're looking to the future of education in the baking industry, especially on the art side, not just the science side, but what role do you see yourself playing as an educator in the industry moving forward? We need to get information into the hands of the line workers and incent them to pursue that career in bakery. And I've seen that so many times by doing a training class in the plant. Um, People get excited about it. If they know what they're doing and why they're doing it, it makes a bigger difference to them. You know, I'm always available to work with any organization and help develop educational programs. Also available to do bottleneck studies or efficiency studies, the things that I've done over the years. But I've seen a lot of success through well-done education. And it's more than just technical knowledge. It's investing in our employees, and that's never a wasted effort. So if anyone in the industry was interested in getting some advice from you one-on-one, say, to do an efficiency study, they could just reach out to us at info at avantfoodmedia.com and we could get them in touch with you, right? That sounds good, Joni. All right. So Dave, those are all of our questions from our listeners. And I think it's just a really fantastic way to wrap up this series, Troubleshooting Innovation. Well, Joni, I enjoyed this. It's always fun to talk about the industry. 
Absolutely. And you are, again, you are truly an industry icon and an expert. And I thank you for sharing all of your insight with us in helping the industry think about innovation and product innovation on several different levels. This is this has been a privilege and it's been just a really great learning experience. So thank you very much. Julie, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Troubleshooting Innovation Podcast. And a special thank you to our sponsor, Reading Bakery Systems. For more information on RBS and its industry-leading baked snack solutions, visit ReadingBakery.com.